Hey, y'all. Welcome back. It's us, Kelsey and Alex. We're here. To talk about movie musicals. This is The Hills Are Alive. A movie musical musical podcast. podcast. (laughs) You almost got it. Uh, Where we are recapping, reviewing, and just generally sharing trivia um, and fun opinions about movie musicals that we watch. This season we're going through... Oh. The decades. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going through the decades. We are currently on the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get too deep into it, let's go ahead and remind everybody that our Instagram account mm-hmm. is The Hills. It's at The Hills Are Alive Pod. Yes. And at is just the symbol, it's not a T. <laughs> That is our handle. And if you want to find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of the other listening platforms, uh, we're under The Hills Are Alive, a movie musical podcast, because that is our name. Mm -hmm. And if you feel so inclined to leave us a review, we will give you money. Just kidding. We won't. But we would really greatly, greatly appreciate it. Yeah, go leave us a review. A good one. Yeah. We we won't give you money, though. We don't have any. <laughs> we'll leave you a, re- a review back. Yeah. Somehow. Um. Yeah. Just, like, send us your, um, I don't know, your influencer profile <laughs> or something. Best listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of friends of the pod. Mm-hmm. So, what are we talking about today, Alex? We are talking about 1978's The Wiz. What? Yep, and we started this season with The Wizard of Oz, so it only seemed appropriate. Yeah, we had to do... I mean, we've wanted to do The Wiz before, Mm -hmm. um, and it just, yeah, it made perfect sense to do it this time. And this is the first time that we're doing... It's not the same musical... But it's a musical based upon the same work right? as another one that we've already done. Right. So that's fun. Yeah. Um, they're very different. Very different. Largely, the plot points are pretty much the same, but very different in every other aspect. Yes. Um, I really, really wanted to like The Wiz. I really, really don't. <laughs> I had never seen it before, which I think is I think is a trend that we that we are having this season, like trying trying to watch movies that neither of us are as familiar with. You know, yeah, it's like we thought we were musical fans, and then we saw all the. No, just kidding. Um, I had seen bits and pieces of The Wiz. I'd never sat down and watched the whole thing through, but I've seen it like I don't know on TV growing up here and there. Yeah. And, I mean, for me, my favorite part of it is definitely the music itself. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, a, there's like, I don't know, maybe like two or three songs that I really enjoy, but they're not, they're not enough for me. Yeah. I, oh, my God, this was a slog. This was a total slog for me. And at, at, at some point, I'd love to, like, pull up a movie and it just be like a cool 90 minutes. <laughs> But it's like just one time. <laughs> they're all over two hours. I think that's really hard to do with musicals, though. Yeah. Because the musical numbers themselves take up so much time. Right. 
I mean, unless you're a Disney movie and you are really, really forwarding the plot with the songs. Right. It's it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to do. I agree, though, that this movie is, like, way too long for what it achieves. Mm -hmm. Way too long. And it's one of those things, like, I mean, it happened when when I watched The Wizard of Oz as well, where it's like, you think that you think that it's getting towards the end and you're like, oh, it's halfway through, you know, because they finally make it to Emerald City, but that's like halfway through the movie. Although I, I, I feel like this one does pick up more on the latter. I don't even think it's the latter half. I think it takes them like way too long to get to Emerald City, but then it really starts to mm-hmm. pick up the pace because it's just like song, 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 song. Yeah. Pretty much from that point till the end. Totally. And it doesn't even introduce the Wicked Witch until halfway or over halfway through Eveline. the Yes. Yeah. No, she doesn't have a big role in it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like that was maybe not the best choice film making wise. I feel ridiculous saying that. I've never made a film. Yeah. I've never directed nor have I produced a film. Nor uh-huh. have I written one or acted in one. I was in a short film once. Oh. And I kept looking at the camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I... Yeah, I feel like... So, you know, like, throughout the movie, they have this, like, peddler man who keeps, like, randomly popping up. Yes. So he's, like, the spy right. for Eveline. And then the Wizard of Oz there's like a similar role i think it's like the big like what's the flying monkey's name it's like caesar or something oh, yeah, like I don't the rem- primary one right i don't remember and that's basically this guy's role but like you know in the wizard of oz that he is the witch's like henchman right because you see the witch talking to him right. like sending him out and in this one he just like pops up and you have no idea like and, why is he here and who is he and he's terrified like this so movie terrified. this movie is so like scary. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I wrote him. Have you seen? Um, have you seen Us by Jordan Peele? Oh, no. Okay. So a lot of the imagery in this movie, like that scary stuff that you're talking about, reminded me of a lot of the scary imagery in Us. Uh huh. And I think in Us, I mean, I'm pretty sure I I watched or read some interview with Jordan Peele where. He's talking about how, like, he was focusing on this, like, scary, like, minstrel show, I think, kind of imagery. Totally. Where it's, like, a totally, totally like, racist caricature. Right. Um, taken to extremes, taken to a new extreme to serve as, like, the scary figure for this, like, small black child. Right. Um, in us. And that's kind of what I was getting here. In a similar vein, caricature taken to extremes. In a similar vein, that reminded me of. Did you watch Lovecraft Country? I don't remember. Yeah. Like those scary girls. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yes. It was very much the same sort of imagery. Yeah, agreed. It was. Yeah, yeah. Like when the when the Munchkins came out of the walls and were like. Uh, when they were moving towards her in that sort of like... It's just like a very jarring sort of like... um, It's not a fluid movement. Yeah. There's something really upsetting about how like jagged and uh, like abrupt it is. Yeah. I like when when they started appearing, I was like, this is terrifying. Anyway, we'll get there. What's funny about the movie as I was looking at like 
the plot of the Broadway show because it, uh, it premiered on in, on Broadway in '74, I think. But the movie was the was the one that like took it to New York City. The Broadway show of The Wiz is still like in Kansas in a farmhouse. I gather that the Broadway show is not all that similar to the movie. Yeah. Or vice versa. The movie is not all that similar to the Broadway show. Yeah. Um, I I noticed that basically the Broadway show seemed to be a big hit. There are a lot of Tony nominations and wins. Yes. It won almost the everything movie it was nominated for. was not successful, critically or commercially. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't an initial success on Broadway, um... And then they, I think they did like a commercial, like a TV commercial for it with the song with Ease On Down the Road in it, which ended up being a commercial success otherwise. Um, And that sort of catapulted it into, you know, then it was selling out. And it won seven Tonys. It was nominated for eight and it won seven. The only thing it didn't win was the book. Um, So it won Best Musical. Best Featured Actor for Ted Ross, who reprised his role as the lion in the movie. Right. yes. Um, Best Featured Actress for Dee Dee Bridgewater, who played um, Eveline. Okay. Uh, original... But not in the movie, just on stage. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, original Score for Charlie Smalls, Best Director and Costume Design for Jeffrey Holder, who was... Yeah, he directed and did costume design and then choreography for George Faison. So it was very successful critically and uh, commercially. But the music was all different, too. A lot of the songs were the same. There were a couple songs that I noticed in watching the movie. I was like, oh, this definitely came from the musical. Because you can sort of tell like the musically sounding songs right. versus the other ones. Mm-hmm. I made a couple notes. I'll touch on them as we go through. Yeah, I mean, um, like, in the movie, it's made by Motown. They were going to make it more Motowny. You know what I mean? So, I, <clears throat> yeah, let's talk about it being produced by Motown. I think mm-hmm. it was Universal and Motown, but we've talked about uh, Dream Girls. Yes. On this podcast before. And Diana Ross in particular. And Diana Ross and Barry Gordy. Mm-hmm. And now we have the real life situation where Diana Ross uh, gets cast in this movie and Barry Gordy, who's the head of Motown at the time, is, you know, ultimately producing it. I don't think he's, I don't know that he's like credited by name. Yeah. But he's heading up Motown. So, yes. um, you know, it, it it's interesting <laughs> Because when you watch Dreamgirls, you see how hard the, we're not going to call her Diana Ross, because she's not Diana Ross, but the Diana Ross character, (laughs) played by Beyonce, like how hard she really fights to get in a movie, and in a movie that she thinks is is worthy of of her caliber, essentially, not just like a bit role. Right something important and we see her like sort of go over his head to talk to the producers and Mm -hmm. long story short that seems to be kind of what happened Mm -hmm. here um and it's just it's so funny (laughs) it's so interesting um Knowing that story, and I again, I don't know that that story in Dream Girls is necessarily about the Wiz, but let's just pretend that it is. Yeah. 
um, seeing how hard she fights for that role and then seeing her performance in she that was, role she is... She was trying to act. So, oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. I mean, God bless Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. She is... She's a beautiful singer. Yeah. She is the mother of Tracy Ellis Ross mm-hmm. and the mother-in-law of Ashley Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly, she is Diana Ross. Yes. But she is not the best actress in this yeah. movie. She's not. She's. I'll say it. She's not good in this. She's not. She's not good in this movie. And she's kind of, you know, uh, her acting is like at this one note. The oh my whole god, she looks time. traumatized Just the like entire time, terrified and crying the, the whole, whole time. time. Yes, there is no nuance yeah. whatsoever. There's she no, sounds like, great. Yeah, there's no like moments of like like a sense of wonder or like none you of know, it. It's all just very. She is trying to, I don't know, get an Oscar for crying as yeah. many times as she can. She know. is also significantly older than the role was written for. So yeah, the thing is, so like I said, the Broadway show, it's, she's in like it's Dorothy as a teenager in Kansas. The way that the movie is you know the way that the story was written as l frank Baum wrote it um but then obviously in the movie they moved her age to 24 in new york city as like a she's still living at home as an elementary school teacher but diana ross at the time was actually 34 she was 33. 33. And the only reason that she was written as a 24-year-old was because the first director, when he found out that the studio was kind of... I mean, I think that on Motown's side of things, they were really skeptical of Diana Ross as well. Yeah. But once he saw that they were going to back her because she was really fighting for it, he dropped out. Mm-hmm. So, like, the original director was John Badham. Yeah, ba- Badham? Badham. Yeah, John Badham. And he uh, stepped down because he just disagreed with the casting mm-hmm. of Diana as a 33-year-old woman. Um, at the time, the role was not written for a 24-year-old. Right. Um, I don't know exactly how old Dorothy was supposed to be, but as far as I know, like, probably teenager. Right. Something closer to the age of Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Right. And I know we talked about age issues with Judy Garland as well. Right, because Dorothy is written as 12 like, or something. I think even younger. Yeah. But yeah, um, she's supposed to be a child. So the director drops out and says like he just can't really, he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. With a 33-year-old. So um, that's when they aged her up to 24. Mm-hmm. So what age originally was she supposed to be when Diana like first started campaigning? Right. Or And did they rewrite the whole yeah, story? Yeah, or was that what she, is that what she was campaigning for? Like, right. just rewrite it. Yeah. <laughs> just make her different. Yeah. <laughs> but even still, I mean, it's just sort of... I don't know. I I look, Diana Ross is a legend. It's hard to criticize her. 
And I don't want to sound like I'm, I am criticizing her. I don't want to be. I don't want to sound like I am. Um, but she's, her acting is really bad. It's yeah. bad. It's bad. And the whole, um, if you're going to change the story, I feel like there should have been, like, more explanation or commitment to, like, what what exactly it is that she's learning from this experience. Because, like, the no place like home thing, for Dorothy, the child, it's like, I wanted to go explore, but I, you know, and but I needed to learn that, like, my home is enough or whatever. Right. And, and in this, this, this instance, Dorothy, it's like she needs to learn to leave, to, leave. to right. get out, branch out on your own. And then she just winds up being like, nope. But then, then there's, the and then there's no like reunion at the end with her family. Mm-mm. And so that was confusing to me as well. Yeah, there's no lesson to be learned. Yeah, you don't you don't find out that she is gonna go take the high school teaching job, right? Or like you know, be around people. And I I I gotta say too, like I thought that whole plot line was kind of funny. Um, that her aunt Aunt M was sort of encouraging her to go teach high school. I guess because it would require her to leave the house, right? But the way she kept phrasing it, it was. It was like, go be around people closer to your own age. And I'm like, ooh, that's not a good reason. Go go be around your high school. Go be around your peers, teenagers. Yeah, let's not have teachers trying to be around their peers (laughs) in high school situations. (laughs) Right. That's uncomfortable. And even in that, even in like in the first scene or whatever, I'm like, like, what? She likes being an elementary school teacher. Like, why are you trying to... I don't know. Yeah, the writing is very awkward. Yeah. It's not good. I was like, she could stay an elementary school teacher and move out. I mean, she could... uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you can teach elementary school and not be, like, um, naive and young at heart. And, yeah, it's not really clear what it is that she's upset about at the beginning, I mean, they're having this family gathering. I mean, we can jump into the movie now if you want to. Yeah, so I'll just go ahead and run down really quickly some of the basics. Um, First of all, directed by Sidney Lumet, who... uh, I just said that very French. Lumet. Uh It's either Lumet or Lumet. I don't know. But he is an extremely well-known director. He directed um, Network... 12 mm. Angry Men. I mean, Acclaimed big time. Movies. Yeah. yeah. Big Oscar winner. Um, It uh, was, let's see, the score was by Charlie Smalls. The original score was. Mm-hmm. I think the arrangement on this was by Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, Charlie Smalls is the original. Yeah, the uh, Broadway yeah. Um, uh, writer. Yeah. Music writer, yeah. right? Yeah, as well. Composer, um, composer yes. Com- that's what we call them. That's the word. Composers. <laughs> Music writer. <laughs> um, and we have, uh, yeah, we have starring Diana Ross. Michael Jackson is the Scarecrow. Nipsey Russell is the Tin Man. Um, Ted Ross is the Lion. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no relation. To Diana. Uh, yes, no relation. <laughs> Lena Horne, 
the beautiful mm-hmm. Lena Horne. She is um, the good witch. I don't know if her name she's is... She's Glinda. Yeah, is it Glinda? Yeah, she's Glinda. And then the other good witch, who they don't name in this... But Miss One? Miss One. Yeah, okay. But uh, her name in the Broadway show is Atta Pearl. And they made her Miss One. Okay. And, but she is the good witch of the... Uh, North. And I can't remember. And Glinda's the Good Witch of the South. Yes, that's right. Yes. And I can't remember, um, golly, I can't, I can't remember exactly how they refer to her, but they talk about Miss One as being like the woman who's running like yeah, she's a underground. Number yeah, yeah, number runner. Yeah. She's running like underground, like lottery, gambling, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and who else do we have? Oh, of course, Richard Pryor mm-hmm. as the Wiz. The Wiz or Herman Smith. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Comedy legend Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, oh, before we dive in, dive in, dive in. I have to mention the screenplay by Joel Schumacher. What? Is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, of all the people. So, we've talked about him before uh-huh. um, for Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Our least favorite <laughs> that we've ever discussed on this show. And uh-huh. lo and behold, he's back again. For our second least favorite. But earlier on. Um, <laughs> Okay, so here's something extra, extra, extra interesting about Joel Schumacher writing the screenplay. Are you familiar with something called, it was a 1970s and 80s thing called EST, like E-S-T, but most people called it EST. Mm -mm. So Joel Schumacher, Mm -hmm. he enrolled in this thing called EST, Mm -hmm. and it stood for Earhart Seminars Training created by Werner, or Werner Erhard. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like a self-help, sort of, but also like new age kind of thing. Yes. It was like a two-weekend very course. Very 70s. It was very 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and it branched off of this whole movement in the 60s of like um, self responsibility mm-hmm. personal responsibility like not being anybody's victim and owning your own life right. more or less mm-hmm. um so i have this quote uh that sort of describes the whole program they they did this on the americans i think you didn't watch that no yeah but if you did watch the americans this is the class that like philip uh, signs up for with the FBI agent that lives across the street. Um, you should watch The Americans. It's really good. Yeah, it's like Carrie Russell and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and what's his name? I don't remember. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's a Welsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is his name? doesn't matter. Okay, so EST was part of the human potential movement of the 1970s, which emphasized human agency and personal growth as a response to generational ennui. Mm-hmm. Not coincidentally, Erhard had drifted through Scientology and a program called Mind Dynamics before launching EST. In the mid-1980s, he renamed EST The Forum 
And in the early 1990s, he left the country during a period when the IRS was investigating his taxes. He was later cleared of all accusations, blah, 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 blah. But essentially, that's what it was. Sounds very, like, culty, like, Keith Raniere, like... Uh Uh-huh. Scientology-esque, Scientology-adjacent. Yes. Yeah, 100%. So Joel Schumacher was enrolled in those classes. Interesting. When he started writing this, and there's just a lot of est-isms, they would say. Like, be a lion. Yes. Mm -hmm. Particularly, though, in Glinda's, like, final monologue, Mm -hmm. that's very est-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, I know. Um, like, number one, I thought it was wild that Joel Schumacher did the screenplay for mm-hmm. this. Like, I could not believe that. Yeah. Number two, the fact that it, like, centers around est-isms yeah. is just... That makes a lot of that's sense. That's mind-blowing. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways, okay, so let's go ahead and dive into this uh, very short plot that somehow takes two (laughs) hours and 20 minutes to get through right so we open you know as usual with an overture and the title cards take place while looking at this uh mural um it's just like illustrations of basically of the show right i mean yeah like the mural is it just looks like your classic mural on any downtown building mm-hmm. in Harlem. Right. But it's essentially Glinda and the Munchkins. Right. Um, so it's showing all the names. There's this cool, like, 70s, like, sparkle effect that's happening on the names as they're appearing. Anyway, we um, we pan over. It's the it's a New York street and um, Dorothy's family. Very snowy. It's very snowy. Um it's not clear. Is this like Thanksgiving? Is it Christmas? Is this Thanksgiving? Okay, so I did not know this until I started researching. It's Thanksgiving, but it's not clear. No. It is not clear at all. You see one maybe Christmas decoration and one window. Mm-hmm. And it, it to me, looks like a lingering decoration. So right. I thought we were in like February or right. something. But we're not. We're in Thanksgiving. The other thing that made this confusing is... They're cooking at the house. Yes. But, like, the thing that they pull out of the oven does not look like a turkey. It is a turkey. But then, like, later they they cut it up and it looks like a ham. And I got really confused. I swear to God, it changes from turkey to ham. Well, when they were first pulling it out of the oven, I was like, that's a ham. And then they pulled it out further. It's like, like, it has legs. That's a turkey. (laughs) And then when they're cutting it, you're like, is it a ham? But when they're doing that, I'm like, oh, this must be Thanksgiving or Christmas. But then it seems like the occasion is more meeting, For this, a new, baby. meeting this new baby. I yes. know. And I think that's Dorothy's sister. Yes. Yeah, so Dorothy's sister has just had a baby. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy also lives with Aunt M. And Aunt M is trying to encourage, as we said earlier, like she's trying to encourage Dorothy to take a new job teaching high school students closer to her own age. Right. Because that's... That'll help her grow up. (laughs) Yeah, that'll help her (laughs) mature. Right. Um, Instead of her current job, which is teaching kindergarten students. Yeah. Or elementary school students. Yeah. Um, But she just wants her to move out and, like, try and do more with her life. Right. And Uh, it's obvious that Dorothy is feeling, like, 
invisible or inadequate, you know, compared to her sister whose life is seems to be moving forward with kids and that kind of thing. Do you think she's worried about looking like she's 33 when she's only 24 years old? <laughs> By the way, today is my last day of being 33. Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Happy birthday tomorrow. <laughs> Do I look 24? Yes. You could, <laughs> you could totally. Could I be Dorothy? Yes. Okay. In my re- in my recast notes, I put Kelsey. Ah, that's all I needed. <laughs> um, and then Antem sings the feeling the feeling that we had, mm-hmm. um, which is basically her, you know, song of togetherness with the family. Right? Isn't that what they're all singing around the table and everything? Yeah, and about like uh, yeah, just missing each other in general and wishing that they hadn't like started like petty fights with each other. Right. Just loving each other. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they're all singing it and having this moment at the table and uh, Dorothy is not feeling it. And And also like in the middle of this song, like isn't it Aunt M? Like somebody walks in on a couple that's just like doing it. Oh yeah. In a bedroom and they like don't it's like not a joke. It's, it's just not like, like oh, it's get not out coming. of there, it's, kids. Yeah, and it's just like, It's like, what? come to the dinner table, kids. And I, honest to goodness, I thought these were all family members. So, like, I'm like, are they cousins? Like, they're not cousins. <laughs> they're not. No, I mean, yeah. They're not, it's not clear what their relationship to the family it's is. It's just really unusual how they just, like... Say, ah, get out there, you two. Come on. Go Time sit down at dinner. the table, you scamps. <laughs> um, and so Dorothy, they're singing a song at the table, and Dorothy's not feeling it. She gets up to get dessert from the kitchen. And that's when she, is that, that's when she sings her own song. Yeah. Can I go on? Right. I mean, she just looks like she's in shock. Yeah. And she doesn't drop that reaction throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. Or that expression, yeah. rather. It, yeah, like, what are you, what are you sad, what are you sad about? Like, yeah, I wrote it down. Seems like, is she shy or is she in complete shock? Yeah, is she? Uh, if she's happy where she's at, then why is she? I don't know. Because she, she's yeah. very adamant that she likes her life with you know working with the elementary school kids. And, it is just so interesting to me how hard she fought for this role, mm-hmm. but then like. Did she I mean, it makes sense to me. It, it makes sense to me because of how hard she fought for the role. Because she's still trying really hard. <laughs> she's trying so hard. You know who she reminds me of, or who reminds me of Diana Ross, rather, Lady Gaga. Oh. Especially in her movie roles. Yes. Now I didn't actually wind up seeing um, Star Is Born. Yeah, I didn't see that one. But. And well, and I didn't see House of Gucci either because no. I'm not gonna. <laughs> no thanks. I mean, I'll probably see A Star Is Born at some point, but like I've seen it before, I don't need to see it again. Yeah. And I saw that performance with Bradley Cooper, mm-hmm. so I saw everything I needed to see. And her Sound of Music performance at the Oscars that one year. <sighs> so good. Mm-hmm. But still, she kind of strikes me as the kind of actress, or the kind of musician to be like, I must have this role. Right. And, and then be just trying too hard the whole time. A la House of Gucci, yes. from uh-huh. what I have heard. Right. And seen in all of the reviews. It's like, 
this is acting. I'm acting. I'm Italian. I have to look shocked and sad <laughs> this whole movie. I know. And I really, I don't, it pains me to sort of like talk shit about Diana Ross. Because yeah. it's Diana Ross. But there's a reason that her acting career didn't really mm-hmm. continue. Yep. She is a okay. world-class musician. But yes, that's acting a- is not... Her thing. Mm-mm. So at some point during all of this, Toto escapes out into what has become a blizzard. Yeah, and it's a hilarious scene because <laughs> they just open the door and like there's a beat and then he runs out of it as yeah. though like someone's on the other side being like, come here, boy, come here, yeah. come here. <laughs> and it, it just, it's a, it's bad. It's just, okay, but I, and then I, there's, I'll, I'll give up on how bad it is. And then there's a, Snow tornado. It's a snow tornado. Um, that lifts her up in this crazy <laughs> scene where she's flying through the cosmos. And then she crashes through this, like, light up uh, sign. I yeah. don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a Oz giant, sign. giant letters that uh-huh. say Oz. Yes, with like a mirror, some sort of glass in the middle. Right, and imagine like bulbs are lining the outside of the letters. Right. And she crashes through it, and when she crashes through it, the Z, I believe, gets knocked down and crushes one of the Wicked Witches. Mm-hmm. Um, whose name is, um, in the... Broadway show, it's Eva Mean, but I think it's Ever Mean. Ever Mean. Yeah. But yeah, they, but the spelling is changed. Um, in the movie, when I was looking at the characters, it's like Ever Mean. Yeah, and, Ever Mean. And then in the movie, it's, uh, in the Broadway show, it's EVA. Like, Eva I think mean. that's just like a choice of inflection. Like, sure. you can say, ev- you can be... Ever mean or ever mean. Ever mean? Yeah. Or is it ever mean? Right. Um, so that is It's the... ever mean. <laughs> say it right. It's ever mean. <laughs> so that's the Wicked Witch of the East, who she has killed, um, which ends up uh, breaking the munchkins out of their curse to be mural people. Yeah, so the munchkins are all just like graffiti yeah. on the wall. And when she kills Evermean, uh-huh. uh, all the little munchkins, yeah, like you said, they sort of, they like peel off of the wall and turn into real people. Again, it's terrifying. Real creepy. Yes. Yeah, and it and has moving that, these really like, jerky mo- move- movements. Yeah. 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 Slightly terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, they are i don't know i mean they're they're friendly but they're still not really um pleasant no and she falls into like this sort of sandbox thing i don't know i i thought that that was hearkening back to aunt m saying something about getting out of the sandbox like working with elementary school kids i don't know she falls into a, a, like what looks to be a sandbox um, the munchkins are cheering for Dorothy when yeah. we notice that there's like this tall lit up elevator. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when like the munchkins all crowd around. Miss One shows up mm-hmm. and she is the, you you said it earlier. Um, yeah, she's the number runner. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. the number runner. So she's, yeah, that sort of neighborhood, the Harlem neighborhood figure. Right. Um, 
so uh, the munchkins crowd around. Oh, and also, we didn't, I don't think we mentioned this when she first shows up. Um, she's very much like a child. Like, she's small. Yeah. But she's voiced by, I want to say, the same person that's Anm. Did you notice that? Like, no. there's all of these, like, small, like, child size figures that definitely have adult voices. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't notice that. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's Thelma Carpenter who plays Anne M. Yeah. Like, she is voicing Miss One. Really? Yeah. Same thing with the other, like, uh, I, I don't know, other little munchkin people yeah. that she interacts with okay. in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that's right. I could look it up. I'm not gonna it's right. Okay. Okay, so anyways, Miss One thanks Dorothy for killing Evamine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then magically takes Evamine's shoes, puts them on Dorothy's feet. They mm-hmm. are not red ruby slippers. They are silver. They are silver desca slippers. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they are nice looking, but yeah. it is kind of, like, surprising. Like, you're going to do Wizard of Oz and not, not have do ruby? ruby slippers? Come on. Yeah. Come on. But, yeah, they're, like, silver rhinestone, maybe Swarovski crystal, Something like that. And Evamine, or not Evamine, uh, Miss One tells her, do not take them off. Yes. They at are, any point They are the thing that will protect you. Right. And Dorothy is absolutely petrified. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely terrified. Still traumatized. Wants to, wants to go home, and Miss One says that the only person that can get her back to New York is the Wiz. The Wiz. So we go into He's the Wizard, mm-hmm. and it's like kind of this like swing time, jazzy sort of number, which eventually transitions into a marching band kind of number, and then that transitions into disco, and right. then it's jazz, and... And it's a whole munchkin dance. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And there's got to be like hundreds of dancers on the stage. Yes. Um, And it's mostly done from this like overhead. uh, You know, today it would be with a drone, but it was probably just like a very, very tall. A crane um, or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, there's like skateboarding. They do like a pom-pom dance at some point. Lots of acrobatics and then hula hoops. Just yeah. like you know, really throwing throwing it all in there. It it's it's good. Yeah. It just it also reminds me of like I don't know. It sort of reminds me of like a really poorly shot like Olympics opening ceremony. Totally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's got that sort of angle the whole yeah, time where you're like trying to. It's about like what this number looks like. From above, like the shapes that they're making. Yeah. You know. But they're not really taking advantage of it. Right. So um, I think at this point, Miss One has expressed to Dorothy that she needs to find the Emerald City. Yes. To find the Wiz. And Dorothy doesn't know how to get there. Da, 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 da. And she tells, tells her to find the Yellow Brick Road, of course. Right, 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 right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, basically, Dorothy sets out to do that. She finds a yellow cab, but it disappears and before it, she can get to it. And this, yeah, that's an and ongoing that's like thing. A com- until, yeah, and let's come back to that because we'll come back to it. Yeah. It's an ongoing thing until it's not, and yeah. it pisses me off. Yeah. Well, because it seems like 
Dorothy thinks that I don't know, it's like just every like Harlem, I can just hail a taxi. Right, but the but that like somehow finding a yellow cab is the yellow brick road or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that okay. So there's two different things to bring up about that. Yeah. So well, yeah, just remember yellow taxis yeah. and we'll so come anyway, back on it. It turns on its off-duty sign and drives away, and she sings "Soon as I Get Home." Right. So she sings this song. It's beautiful. I mean, she does sound wonderful. Yes. She is still Diana Ross. Yeah, she sounds great. Um, but the sun is coming up, and there's this like subway peddler kind of guy mm-hmm. who pops up, and um, he's uh, again very scary figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, she yells at him to stop, but he keeps running away, and we don't really know like what his whole point of yeah. being there is. But something I noticed, so like whenever he enters, there's this like music. That play. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like the flute kind of sound. Oh, okay, yeah. And so... Like jazz flute. Well, kind of. And I bet you're saying that because there's a Herbie Hancock song called Watermelon Man, Uh where the intro and the outro is that kind of flute sound. Okay. So when I first heard it in... Like, the first time I ever heard it was in the Herbie Hancock song, and then I heard it in this movie... So I looked it up, and it's actually um, an instrument of, like, the pygmy people from Central Africa. Okay. And it's, like, it's really interesting. It's a single flute, and it only makes one note. Like, it doesn't have anything else to it. It's Mm -hmm. very, very simple. It's bamboo. Yeah. But the way that they blow into it changes the the tone of it yeah um it's worth looking up but and anyways point being uh that's where that music comes from and i just thought that was yeah you know i don't think there's a ton of substance to this movie right and i don't think that it is actually about you know black culture as much as it just has a black cast right you know what i mean but mm-hmm. like there are little things that they throw into there that right I, I i found really little nods to yeah yes the yeah black experience or whatever um so as the light is coming up you, you start to realize after she leaves munchkin land it's sort of she they're sort of in this like dystopian version of new york where there's lots of like rubble and the buildings are crumbling. It sort of looks like a disaster zone or something. Right. Um, and we are introduced to the Scarecrow, played by Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Jackson. Uh-huh. So Michael Jackson was 18 at the time they were making this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this was before any of his big records, his big solo records. Mm-hmm. Um. Michael Jackson was probably the biggest, um, or his role was the one that critics applauded the most. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I can't disagree. Yeah. I thought, especially when he finally gets off of the, whatever, the post. Yeah. Holding up the scarecrow, his dance skills absolutely come into play. Yeah. Um, the same way that they did for Ray Bulger. I think it was Ray Bulger, the Scarecrow in the first one. I, I think it was. What, the name, what his name Unless was. Unless he was the lion. I think he was the Scarecrow. 
Okay. Or he could have been the Tin Man. They switched roles for a while. <laughs> Point being, um, I have to agree. I think that Michael Jackson does a great job in this movie. Turning those ragdoll movements into dance. It's still hard to watch it yeah. and not look at it as like, oh, that's Michael Jackson. Right. Ah, I watched that HBO documentary and Oops. it's uncomfortable. Ugh. Yeah. Um, this is before it any is of pre- that. Any of that. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It is. And yeah, and I was able to sort of distance myself from that. Yeah, no, I was too. Which you can't do. I, I'm not able to do with a lot of Michael Jackson's later work, but this was fine. So there are these crows that are played by actors that are sort of taunting him and have all of these rules for him, the commandments... The crows' commandments. Yeah, the crows are scary. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just like they're they're crow humanoids, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they're just people with big old crow beaks right. on their faces, but that gives them um, a really eerie uh, medieval doctor kind of vibe, right? You like know what the, I mean? like a plague doctor thing yeah. with the beaks, with the big yes. beaks. Yeah. Another, uh, like so many things in this movie, something that it gives it this sort of sinister element that's, I can't imagine watching this as a kid and not being just terrified. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting how many sinister elements do come into play in this musical because Return to Oz is pretty similar. Right. In that sense that it's just like incredibly dark and very... I mean, it uses a lot of, like, childhood elements, but turns them into very scary things. Right. I've actually <clears throat> never watched all the way through Return to Oz. I haven't it's either. It's too spooky. Yeah. Ugh. Um, so they say that they're never letting him down, um, and he needs to remember the Crow Commandments, and that's when they sing You Can't Win. So Dorothy runs up on him. Mm-hmm. She watches the whole thing. She sees an injustice going down. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I was going to mention, like once you when you said that you that his dancing was great once he got down from the post. While he's on the post, he's like writhing in this way that was uncomfortable for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like trying to make the most of his movements while being attached to a post, but it was. And I gotta say, the makeup that they put on him, like, there's a very extremely obvious prosthetic, like, double chin. Yeah. Like, very, like, fat neck that they put on him. And it's just so... It's like SNL does better makeup, you know what I mean? And I don't mean just in 2022, like, I'm confident in 1978 their makeup was better. Yeah, And I just... I. And the thing, like, it was supposed to, I don't, and I don't think it was even supposed to be a double chin. I think it was supposed to be, like, whatever, the, you know, the bag on his head or something, because there was a seam that was tied, you know. Right. But it, like, there is a clear line between his chin and his neck. Yeah. Where it just, like, becomes bulbous. Yeah. That's gross. And then he had, like, a little Reese's liner for a nose. It looked like a dog's nose. (laughs) Like, it looked like a Muppet nose. Yes. But it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So Dorothy pops out after the song is done and says that she'll help him down. Uh, she lets him down and he falls over and uh, he says that he's a failure and she says that he's just the product of negative thinking, which now thinking about it seems like very EST. 
right. thing to say. He says, results of the first experiment subject to a hopeless failure. And then, um, yeah, Toto runs up. He scares everybody away. Um, I, I will say, uh, Dorothy being a teacher in this moment kind of makes sense. Totally. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they planned it. Probably not. But she does talk to him. Like, she does encourage him in a way that, like, my favorite teacher would have done. Right. So I give them she's credit very, there. She's very Montessori in this moment. Yeah. Even if it's undeserved, <laughs> I give them credit. And then, so, Scarecrow, um, it's established that he has a head full of garbage. Yes. And he wants a brain, mm-hmm. as does the other Scarecrow. Um and he he pulls out he's always pulling out these quotes mm-hmm. and i like by the end of the movie i still didn't really know what was going on but i i get the vibe that he's like pulling out like fortunes from fortune cookies yeah that's what it seemed like to me too but then they were like literature quotes and right stuff. so like yeah. when he reads the confucius quote you're thinking like oh that could have been on a fortune right but yeah the william shakespeare i'm not i don't know yeah but the first quote that he reads is Confucius, and it's, Ignorance is the night of the mind, the night without moons or stars. Mm-hmm. Oh. So Dorothy proposes, yeah, that he set out with her to find the Wiz. Mm-hmm. If the Wiz can get her home, the Wiz can get him a brain, da-da-da-da-da. They go along their way. But first, they have to find the yellow brick road. Mm-hmm. So once again, Dorothy sees like two yellow cars and mm-hmm. is like, "There it is." The, yeah, there it is. Like, so yellow cabs are the yellow brick road. Okay. But and then, at first, I thought that that's. I was like, "Oh, the yellow." They're trying to say that. Like it's just um yeah it's a, a metaphor. A for metaphor. It. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. But no, after the cabs turn off their off-duty signs and run away, they start to see, like, yellow bricks that... Oh, but before that even happens, the scarecrow is like, no, here it is, and it's just, like, old corn. (laughs) (laughs) And so then, finally, Dorothy turns around and is like, oh, no, here it is. Uh And it's actual tile that does become the yellow brick road. Fun fact... That tile was made by a flooring company called Congoleum, and they actually sold it um, for commercial in-home use. Oh. So you could have tiled your... your... own piece of the yellow brick road. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. In your kitchen or in your bathroom or mm-hmm. wherever. So they find... So these random tiles end up forming the yellow brick road and they uh follow it so dorothy and scarecrow come upon what looks like oh yeah hold on before i get there that's the first version of ease on down yes mm-hmm. ease, on, ease down on down the, down road, the road number one it's a jam and they dance down the road and they end up um at like a defunct coney island yeah it's like an abandoned amusement park yeah um, and that's where they find Tin Man, played by Nipsey Russell. Uh-huh. And he's, like, trapped underneath this old, like, mammy yeah, it's like kind of statue huge mammy figure. Yes. Yeah, I don't really know what to call it. It's just, like, a giant mammy, yeah. like, thing. And he, uh, he alludes to, like... Her being his fourth wife, right. Teeny. Yes, he talks about Teeny a lot. Yeah, um, but they like they pry they they lift her up, pry him out from under, mm-hmm. 
And but um, like, why is he still sent sentient and Teeny isn't? Oh, I do not. Has he been stuck under her corpse this whole time? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, guess, I think that's right. Yeah, like she's dead. I think I don't that's know. canon. Okay, the canon <laughs> is that he's been underneath a dead body yes. this whole time. Yes. Um, and that's why he needs a heart. Mm-hmm. He's a, a nobody home in Soulville. Uh-huh. And that's um, when he sings, what yeah. would I do if I could feel? If I could suddenly feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I did take note of one thing that I thought was kind of cute. How, like, there's a mermaid carving behind him, and they are the background singers. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was Still cute. a little scary. A but, little scary, yeah. yeah. They they did not do a good job of like bridging that uncanny valley, yeah. In this movie, which is odd to say because it is all humans, but they just gave them too many like non-human features to to yeah. make it like easy to swallow, I guess. Yeah. Anywho, uh, Scarecrow, he has the idea. To bring Tin Man to the Wiz. Yes. Uh, Dorothy remarks, what a good idea that is. Because she's a good teacher. Uh Uh-huh. And then they sing, um, slide Slide some some oil oil to to me. me. Um, And then he starts, he's not like moving jerky like a Tin Man anymore. He starts doing some pelvic movements. Because he got some oil. Yeah. And then we go back into... He's on down the road. But before that happens, there's another moment where he's singing on this, like, stage thing, this, like, stage set at the amusement park. And there's more background singers, but there are these, like, scary, non-moving faces in the background with, like, open mouths that... Anyway, it's more scary stuff. Yeah. Um... And they sing "Ease on Down the Road" number two, and then they immediately run into the lion. Yes, and at this point, the lion is one of those like entranceway statues. Yes, I don't really know like where that comes from. I know that like there's a thing in Chinese culture called the dog lion, and that's mm-hmm. like normally what we see when there's like two lion-looking figures yes. at the front. But it's basically one of those, but it's yeah. not a dog lion. And he says later, I don't think it says it at this point, but this is a library. Oh, okay, I missed that. He said this, later on he says something about being back at the library or something. Gotcha. Um, so I, I do think that maybe the New York Public Library has those lions. That would make sense. Um, they do touch, I mean, the whole time they're going through, like, New York landmarks. Yes. And the whole the the only other place that I know about these existing is at um, the Art Institute in Chicago. Right, but they are not in. They Chicago. are not in Chicago. Yes. Um, so this is at the library. Anyway, they uh, he is like inside of one of these statues. Yeah. Watching them. He uh, emerges and sings, "I'm a mean old lion." Uh huh. Um. I think I mentioned it earlier, but just in case, uh, Line is played by Ted Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, Who but did of course, originate the role on Broadway. He did, yeah. And a lot of these actors in traditional Broadway to film adaptation style, a lot of them are the Broadway actors. Yeah. Um, but of course, when it comes to the lion, he is not a mean old lion. He is a cowardly lion. Yes, and he's a little fabulous. <laughs> if you know what I mean. And he's a little emotional. 
Um, I'll, mm-hmm. I mean, the first lion was too. You yeah. know, if you really want to. Yeah, totally. Look at him that way. Like, the first line was very much fabulous. Yes, when he gets his mane curled with the little bow and everything. Right. For sure. And this one, um, Toto bites him, and he flips out. And then, just like in the first one, Dorothy scolds him. Yes. You know, how dare you scare us that way when you're just a cowardly lion yourself. Right. So, um, I think that's when we go into... They invite him along to get his courage. Right. And they sing Ease On Down the Road, number three. I did want to touch on, though, really, really quickly. Um, I thought it was funny. Um, they all have these, like, one-liners that I think are hilarious. Mm-hmm. And the Lions one is, I-O-B-K, incapable of being king. Yes. <laughs> I also liked the that the don't walk signs in front of the library are don't ease. Oh yeah, that's good. That was cute. That's really cute. Yeah. Um, and then right before um they get back into ease on down the road, another good line um from a fortune of scarecrows, mm-hmm. I guess. He quotes, yeah, W. Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Ooh. And I'm just now noticing in my notes, I wrote that down as W-H-E-R-E apostrophe S. Oh, how embarrassing. <laughs> Where's the crown? Where's the crown? <laughs> Anywho. Um, so they do ease on down the road again, and then there's more cabs that they are dancing on this time. They make it to the subway. And a lion remarks that his mama would be so proud. And also, I will note, in talking about his mama, he reveals that his name is Fleet or Fleetwood Coopteville. Yes. Yeah. So they... some, And then from there on I, out, I don't sometimes... know why that's important, by the way. It's yeah. never brought up again. Yeah. So, But at some point, one of them calls him Fleet, but sometimes they call him Lion, so... Yeah, it's never brought up, yeah. so... Uh... So they go. They end up down. They go down the stairs and onto a, a, a subway platform. Um, They're attacked. Yes. Well, that that fucking scary. The peddler man. Yes. He shows up, and he has these two like marionette dolls, and they grow into what looks like sort of like um, a, a blend between an accordion and those like. Car dealership, the inflatable men, and wacky arms, inflatable men. Yeah, yes, yeah. It and looks it's like that. Another, and they're very scary. Yeah, the whole thing is yeah. terrifying, and um, basically, like they're all attacked from like different points throughout the underground subway. So I think we have. Yeah, the trash cans attack the scarecrow. Right, of course, because he's full of trash. Yes, and the. Lion saves him. The Tin Man is attracted by an electricity box. Right, yeah, the breaker box. Yeah. And the wires come out. And Lion saves him. And then I was wondering, as I was watching that, I was like, ooh, what's going to get Dorothy? And I was just imagining, like, knives? Like, I don't know. Like, what's most suitable for a human? And then it's just, like, columns. the columns. The columns from yeah, the, the subway s- tiled columns. Yeah. And then, like, burp, 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 burp. and then somehow Lion saves her from that. As well. Yeah, and then which they're is, out. Which is funny because it's like, this is immediately after him talking about how he's cowardly. Yeah, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> it's really bad. But, and then he saves them all individually. They get out, and then they find the poppy girls. 
these little sluts. <laughs> <laughs> so in the original Wizard of Oz, they come across the poppy field. Yes. And they just fall asleep yeah. under the asbestos snow. Yes. And in this version, the poppy girls are prostitutes. Yes. And they like they're like seduce- blow some glittery heroin yeah. into everyone's faces. And what it says in the when I was reading like the plot synopsis, it was like it said, and then the poppies seduce the lion, and he brings. Dorothy with him. I read that too, and that's not what but happens. It's not what it seems like to me. He's just like, let's go. And yeah. she's like, okay. Yeah, and they end and up, then they, they go, get on this. Psh- and and the, that's heroin in your face. And, and they get up dead. on one of these, one of those like wind wa- window washer platforms yeah, somehow. Yeah, and they rise to the top and then they pass the F out. Uh huh. Um, and somehow. Scarecrow and Tin Man end up, and similar to the original Wizard of Oz, they are not affected by this spell or whatever because they are. Because they didn't go. Well, it's because they're not um, biological beings. Well, I don't think they got the glitter spouted into right. their faces mm-hmm. in this one. Yeah, I I think the glitter was heroin. <laughs> Well, that's what it, it comes from poppies. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yes. That, that's true. Okay. Well, uh-huh. smarts. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So somehow so the scare, scare Scarecrow and Tin Man get up to the roof that they end up on and are trying to wake them up and can't. And the Tin Man starts crying. These He's done it once before when he rested up when they first found him. But th- this these like comically like gleating tears <laughs> that are coming out of his face. Yeah. Um, uh, and so he's crying, and he cries on the lion, which ends up waking him up. And so when the lion wakes up, he's, like, kind of... He's, like, embarrassed. Mm-hmm. He he feels upset that he led Dorothy into this trap. Yes. Um, and that's when she starts singing, be a lion, mm-hmm. encouraging him to just be bold, be yeah. brave, mm-hmm. don't apologize for anything. Oh, but Tin Man had to cry onto Dorothy first, which is another funny line of like her being like splashed in the face with his tears. <laughs> um... So, yeah, so they sing Be a Lion. And I think this is, like, the most musical-y song of all of the songs in mm-hmm. the movie. It feels like a musical number. And by the end, they're all saying that they should all be lions, you know? Right. So they um, they continue on their journey, and they hit this, like, big... They finally make it to the Wiz, and it's, like, this big vault, you know? Well, first they... First they come upon the Emerald City, which they have to cross what is the Brooklyn, I mean, it's the Brooklyn Bridge, but paved with Yellow Brick Road. Right. And in the distance, it's like the New York skyline, but it's right. Emerald. Yeah. Um, and so they get to the gate and, like you were saying, um, well, the guard just sees the slippers and lets her in. Well, yeah. I mean, I was going <sighs> to... Draw it out, but yeah, oh, that's sorry. what happens. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they hit this big vault door. It looks like a bank vault. Yeah. And once they see the slippers, they let her in. Um, it once they're inside, it looks like one hundred percent like a miniature putt putt 
course. Yeah. Like, everything is, like, blue light or black light, I mean, Mm -hmm. kind of glow to it. Everything has that glow to it. And it's all green. And and there's, like, random mountain-y kind of structures like there would be at a putt-putt course. Right. Um, and that's when we go into, I think they just call it the ballet sequence. Um, the Emerald City sequence is what it says. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, because it's not really a ballet, but essentially, I, I did read that there's over, like, 600 dancers. Yeah, it's crazy. In this. And it is cool. And I this mean, is it's where, not, like, And this is where that, that sort of... Amazing, but it's good. And this is where that sort of from above technique of shooting this choreography is more effective than it is in the munchkin sequence it's more effective but not that much more Mm -hmm. in my opinion i don't know i just feel like there's so much potential yeah with this movie especially with today's filming technology Mm -hmm. and also just what we know now about making good movies Mm -hmm. (laughs) there goes that train there's that train that's that sky Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so, and these are all, they're all like dressed very sophisticatedly. Um, all of a sudden, the whiz comes over a loudspeaker and he announces that green is dead. Yes. So they're all dancing in green. and Because like, they had been sing- singing this, you've got to be seen. Green, yeah. like their song is about how green is the end And thing. I'd be dead in red yeah. or something like that. But then he announces, no, green is dead. Now it's red. Uh-huh. Everything suddenly changes to red. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when enters, her name is the green lady, but clearly she's not green right now. She's in red. Uh-huh. Um, and she's played by Vicky Baltimore. And um, I don't know. They dance some more, and then the color shifts to gold. It's to gold, yes. And then there's another announcement. And at, at this point, he says, "Send up the one with the silver slippers." Yes. Uh, at the- which point, all of these clamoring Aussians or El- Emerald City folk are start, you know, asking her like, "Where did you get your clothes?" Blah blah blah. They're all very interested in. Style and fashion. Fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, she finally approaches the tower. It's very Art Deco, mm-hmm. which is in line, I think, with the first Wizard of Oz. Totally. And um, it's also very New York uh-huh. Art Deco. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's very 80s New York Art Deco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they're admitted in. And a big silver head comes down and mm-hmm. commands them to step forward. Multicolored flames spew from his mouth. Mm-hmm. And all of and a his sudden... his eyes are spotlights. Right. And then all of a sudden, Diana Ross once again looks like she's about to lose her fucking mind. Mm-hmm. And there was demands that they kill the Wicked Witch before they are um, given admittance admittance to his i don't know court or whatever so they're all feeling very defeated they spend the night at the emerald city hotel (laughs) which i thought was i I thought was fun um it's a nice hotel room yeah i liked that there was even like there's like an emerald city window unit (laughs) like an ac unit anyway it's very (laughs) hotel that's cute that is cute 
Um, but she has come to the realization now that she has to, if she's going to get home, she has to kill Eveline. Yeah, she doesn't want to, but she wants to get home. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to ask a guard, how are you going to find her? Don't worry, she'll find you. Mm-hmm. Cut and send, to. And they send them down into like a manhole. Yes. Yeah. Cut to the super creepy, like, gathering or factory or something. Eveline's sweatshop. Yeah, it's Eveline's sweatshop. Mm -hmm. And all of the quote-unquote flying monkeys are there are like, I don't know, sweating and making things. Well, they aren't the flying monkeys. These are like her, like, laborers who are working. But at the end, like, don't they take off their flying monkey suits? No, because the flying monkeys are those creepy fucking motorcycle things that's right so what are these people doing these are just her labor it says that it's it's a it's a sweatshop and that they manufacture sweat but at the end they take off suits that's true what are they what suits are they i think they're like they look like monkey suits and then they're all all dancing and they're like tiny whiteies yeah anyways Uh, more uh, scary masks and and everything evelyn does her own sort of like ragtime jazzy song it's it's not bad it's not uh don't nobody bring me no no bad bad news. news yes um evelyn learns that no one has yet no one in her you know minions has yet stopped Dorothy and the crew. And she we didn't gets, even know that they were looking seeking, for her. I yeah. know. All we knew is that, like, the peddler guy was following them. Right. But apparently they've been searching for them the whole time. No one has done anything. So she announces that she's bringing in, as you said, the flying monkeys. And they roll in kind of, like, on motorcycles, but they are the motorcycles. They are motor- Like, their arms are fused to the motorcycles. Yes, and their wings are like big mufflers. Yeah. Or like it, I mean there's a lot of scary imagery. Yeah. And in their this movie. like mask faces are terrifying. Yeah, and when they roll up they go, "What's happening?" Uh-huh. <laughs> um so the flying monkeys um I think at that point yeah, we cut to the flying monkeys and they're like chasing the crew through the crew being like Dorothy at yeah. all. They're like chasing them through like a parking garage or something. Yeah, it seems like some sort of parking garage. Like we don't know why they're in a parking garage, yeah. but they are. This is where like somehow the manhole that they went down into the sewer has led them to this parking structure. Yeah. Um and then we go back to Eveline and she's like or I guess like the monkeys like chase them back to where Eveline is. Well they no, they end up they hide in they hide somewhere, remember? In, like, this oh, container. Oh, yeah, but then, like, all of a sudden, they're just, like, n- not hiding anymore. Yeah, like, all of the containers around them move, and they're surrounded by the flying monkeys, and then we're all of a sudden back right. at Eveline's. And so Eveline um, is now, they you know, they exchange words, and she's, like, all of a sudden torturing all of Dorothy's friends to try yeah. and get Dorothy to give up. The silver she tries, slippers. Because she tries to take them off herself with her magic. But the magic doesn't work. And, and that's fingers, what happens in the first one, too. Yeah, but in this, it, her trying to do the magic bends her fingers all the way back. Spooky. Yeah. So she resorts to torturing everyone. Yeah, and the torture is not, like, I mean, it's it's scary. They cut, I, they, I, I keep saying I keep saying everything is so scary, but it is. Yeah. It's not good imagery for children. They cut the scarecrow in half. They cut him in half, and then they like, 
melt down the Tin Man, yeah, and he's then like they on this, string like, steam up. Press. Yeah, and then they string up the lion by his tail mm-hmm. and just like fuck with him. It's yeah, it's traumatizing. And then she's now about we to... see why Dorothy the whole time just looks terrified. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess I would too, but. So then she, so then Eveline is about to throw Toto into an incinerator. <laughs> yeah, she's like, what do you like on your hot dog, mustard or ketchup? <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Stupid. And so um, who is it? I think that it's the scarecrow that, um, you know, motions towards the fire the alarm. sprinklers. Yeah. Yeah. So she turns the sprinklers on, and they melt Eveline. And why do you have why do you have a sprinkler system if you're? As she says, doesn't she say she's allergic to water? <laughs> <laughs> it makes me melt. <laughs> so then we go into everybody rejoice yes. a brand new day. But when she melts, we it lo- we learn that her throne is like this giant toilet that closes. Oh my gosh! I didn't even notice that. <laughs> That's good. Yes. So they they put the people they put Scarecrow and Tin Man back together basically, and they do it like you said. Everybody yeah. rejoice. Suddenly, the song the, or they go into that song. Uh, it starts to slow down, and then all of the factory people yeah, uh, strip take off, their, off skin their, suits. their skin suits, and then they just dance around in their white underwear. Yes, very very skimpy little underwear yeah it's really like um exposed cheeks it reminds me of like spring awakening uh-huh. or something um very very like i mean like 70s modern dance kind of thing happens. yes yeah. Abs- <laughs> oh yes yes it is yeah absolutely um so then dorothy and company they make it back to the wind the flying monkeys are now on their side, the flying monkeys don't get to take off their skin suits. No, <laughs> they are permanently flying motorized monkeys that don't actually fly. And they take her to, um, I guess they take her to like a quote unquote shortcut. Yes, they're going to go in through the back way. Yes, but the Wiz doesn't know to expect them through the back way. Right, and that's when they discover that the Wiz is just old Richard Pryor. Yeah. Herman Smith. Herman Smith, uh-huh. a failed politician from Atlantic City. Yes. And, of course, Dorothy's like, oh, my God, Atlantic City, that is also on Earth. <laughs> Can you get me there? <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, similarly to the original, he had taken a hot air, air balloon there. But he, in this, he was a politician who used the hot air balloon as part of his campaign they do if you believe in yourself uh-huh he says that he doesn't want them to go he wants them to stay and talk obviously he's lonely i think that's when like suddenly oh, yeah. glinda reappears yes dorothy tells scarecrow tin man and lion that they've always had it had what they needed they, they've always had a brain, a brain and a, a heart, heart and courage. courage and then they but then scarecrow's like but you don't have anything <laughs> Like, you don't have what you need. You're just you. Yeah. And that's when um, Glinda appears, the lovely Lena Horne. Right. So she essentially says, like, if you helped your friends find this, like, inside of themselves, they can help you find home inside of yourself. Right. And um, she goes back into the reprise. Of believing yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And essentially... um, 
I think Dorothy's takeaway is, so you're telling me this whole time I could have just clicked my heels together, right? And I could have left, right? I didn't have to. Be, I didn't have to kill anyone. Are you kidding me? And she goes, uh huh. <laughs> so she but, does. But in Lena Horne obviously did this movie in one day because it's the same set that she was on by herself. Oh yeah, at the beginning. Um, but she's surrounded by, like, she's, like, in this cosmos, but she's surrounded by, like, all of these little, like, cosmos babies. Yes. That are also in the mural. Right. Which I, sure. I, I don't it's get it. It's the munchkins, I think. <laughs> it's the cosmos munchkins. They don't look like the munchkins. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know that Lena Horne was the director Sidney Lumet's mother-in-law mm-hmm. at the time. Right. So that's fun. Okay. And they were Cosmos babies. Cosmos babies. Um. So she sings home and then it's over. Yeah. Fin. And, um, oh, after Dorothy realizes that she, get, she can get home, Herman Smith is like, but what about me? And Dorothy is like, you should just take a chance. <laughs> Try taking chances. Come on, Herman. <laughs> Run for office again. Yes. You never know. Um, and she really belts this out and does some more crying. Um, and then she... Dear ar- Lord. Um, she arrives back at home and goes inside and that's it. There's no reunion with her family or anything. Yeah. Yeah, they don't, like, tie in the characters that may or may not have been voiced by other characters yeah. earlier in the movie. They don't... They don't, yeah, there's nothing. We don't know if she takes the high school job. We don't know what she's learned. Nothing. Yeah. I guess that she needs to go out and take a chance, like she said, but like, I don't know. Or like, I don't know, see what was in that turkey. (laughs) Was it ham? (laughs) (laughs) So here's some fun trivia about this movie. Mm hmm. It was a box office bomb. Really? It was the most expensive musical ever. Wow. At the time. Which is funny because it doesn't, a lot of it just. It doesn't look like it. No, it looks like a soundstage. Nonsense. Yes. Yeah. It was a $24 million budget. Um, They didn't even get. I think they got maybe twenty million from North America, and that was about it. Uh huh. Um, we already talked about Jewel, Jewel, Jill, Joel Schumacher. Yeah, we mm-hmm. already talked about Joel Schumacher mm-hmm. and his Est-inspired script. Yes, which now that I look at it is very. <laughs> you don't. You're not a failure. You're just the product of negative thinking. <laughs> And that's what it's all about. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. Um, I don't know if I mentioned... I don't think I did. I don't think I mentioned earlier that Ross, Diana Ross, was also into Est. Oh. Yeah. That so. makes sense, too. Um, I I mentioned the Congolian brick tile. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say... Okay, so did I mention that... I mean, we knew that Diana Ross was frowned upon... At least in terms of her age for this role. Did I mention that they wanted to give it to Stephanie Mills? Who was the... She originated the, original. the role on Broadway. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
I my last little bit of trivia, overall general trivia, would be that uh, Michael Jackson in this role, this basically led to him working with Quincy Jones for Off the Wall, Thriller, and Bad. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that those albums would exist, Mm -hmm. actually, without The Wiz. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot to be said about Michael Jackson, but no one will deny that he did create three really good records. Yes. With Quincy Jones... And Quincy Jones didn't know much about... I mean, he knew who Michael Jackson was, Mm because everybody did, from the Jackson 5. Right. I mean, Jackson 5 was Motown. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, Quincy still wasn't like, I've got to work with this kid. Right. He didn't really give a shit either way. Right. And Michael Jackson approached him and said, do you have any recommendations for a producer for my next album. Um, I'm going to do a solo record. And it, it was going to be like the first one in four or five years. Yeah. And Quincy said, why not me? Was that when he made Bad? Uh, well, it was Off the Wall first. Off the Wall, right. Okay. Yeah. And that's when they made Off the Wall. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I guess, you, yeah. We yeah. have that. We have the whiz to thank for Michael Jackson's career. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, <laughs> so complicated. <laughs> um, you know, so I was saying that, like, when the when the Broadway show first premiered, it wasn't really getting very good reviews, mixed reviews. Um, and then it had a TV commercial featuring the castings on down the road, and that was popular enough to get it going. On top of the fact that 20th Century Fox, who was producing the musical, gave it an extra $100,000 to keep it going. Damn. Um, basically basically funded it again to, to just to keep it on the stage. Wow. And then it started getting uh, selling out and stuff. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, the Broadway show, I would like to see, like... If not see it in person, which is probably a, a non-starter, but yeah. like I'd like to see. I, I should look up some footage footage from that, like some numbers, because from what I can gather, it's nothing to do with the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's not the it's not this sort of like dystopian version of New York at all. It's like it's in Kansas, and then when she finds the scarecrow, it's in a cornfield, and it's you know, it's like it's not this weird cityscape sort of thing, which I understand what they were doing and why in the movie. I just feel like it could have been executed better. Well, so something I found really interesting about this movie is that it, it, in my research, is that it's considered the end of the quote-unquote exploitation era. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and it's considered the end because it was such a failure, mm. you know, at the box office and critically. It was so, so poorly received that it sort of um, instilled this notion that, like, a black-led cast isn't going to make a lot of money. Right, that it won't be successful. I don't know how true that is. I know that it probably took a while before there was another, like, predominantly black cast yeah. to bring in those kind of that you know those kind of dollars that kind of money right. 
Probably not until like the nineties would and I'm be my sure guess. That, I'm sure that like racism had something to do with its failure, but probably the biggest thing was that it just wasn't very good. Yeah, I mean, and if you're gonna like lump it into that like black exploitation category too, I think that's pretty apparent when um, I read this interview. There's this professor of black studies at Nebraska Lincoln. His name is Wheeler Winston, and he basically talks about the whiz in terms of how, like, yeah, it's a black cast, and yeah, it came out like at the end of that black exploitation era. But it has nothing to do with black culture. Mm-hmm. It like just sort of like picks and chooses all of these things that are black, but like it's not about it's not it's not about black people, it's not about black culture, it's not right. about boxes. It you takes, know, you it know takes what I all mean? of like, these things that are like that's yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like jazz, that's black. Right. Throw it in there. Like, all right, graffiti, what else? Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that sort of thing. So, I mean, not being a black person, I can't really speak towards whether or not there is enough quote-unquote black culture in it. Right. But I do see why it might be considered the quote-unquote end of the black exploitation era. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, let's see. I didn't really do any uh, recasting notes. It was a very recently recast on television for The Wiz Live. Do you, well, do you have recasting notes? I have some ideas. Okay. I mean, number one, Obviously. Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy Our girl. Kiki Palmer. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> oh, you were going to say Zendaya. Uh, yeah. No, I'm going Kiki Palmer on this one. Mm-hmm. I think she would be a wonderful Dorothy. I, You know, I think you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I know I'm right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Zendaya. Mm-hmm. I love her to death. But, like, I don't know. And Kiki Palmer probably is 33, but looks 24. Right. So she could pull So off. in this new version, it's going to be 24-year-old Dorothy. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be whatever <laughs> Kiki Palmer's age is. I also think that um, I want to go Chance the Rapper for uh, uh, Scarecrow. Yeah. yeah. I want to say Scarecrow. He could be lying too, but I want to uh-huh. go Scarecrow. Yeah. Um, uh, Donald Glover would be a good choice for Love some. Love him. Um, maybe as Tin Man. I don't think he would, to tell you the truth. Probably not. He wouldn't. But this is a fantasy. Sure. Even in my own fantasies, I want to be, uh, like, realistic about who can we get? Who can we get? Who would say yes? Yeah. Do you have any other ideas? Well, I was thinking Common, but then, like, Common was in the NBC version. Yes, he was. Common is in, like, every, every, like... Every picture I can imagine, if it requires, like, a black musician, like, Common Common, can do it. Common, yes. Yes. Um, What about Tracy Ellis Ross? Well, of duh, of course. But she's, like... Well, not as Dorothy, but, like, as... Glinda. Glinda or somebody, yeah. 100%. And the thing is, I'm sure I can... I would bet money that they asked her to be in The Wiz Live. Uh, Oh, you know they did. Yeah, and she didn't. Also, probably Audra McDonald. Yeah. I'm sure they asked her. Y- yeah. Not a lot of big names in The Wiz I mean, Live. <laughs> you have to, like, you'd have to be the world's biggest idiot yeah. to not try <laughs> to get Tracy Ellis Ross exactly. or Audra McDonald. Yes. Like, come on. Yes. Like, 
most successful black Broadway actress of all time and Diana Ross's daughter. daughter yeah. Also <laughs> extremely talented, yes. beautiful, wonderful singer. Yes. Oh, oh, Maya Rudolph. Ooh, <sighs> yes. Maya Rudolph could Has do, to be in there. Yeah, she could be Has Miss be. One. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Let's get people on yes. the phone now. <laughs> Because uh, in the, so when they did it in 2015, not a lot of names. Um, they they had a they had like a nationwide search for Dorothy, and they found uh, this uh, actress musician named Shanice Williams, who hasn't really done much else. Scarecrow was Elijah Kelly again, who has done some things, but not a lot. He was he was in um, a movie about uh, the real life story of New Edition. Um, but that's about it. Uh, Neo. New wa- edition was. Was like the um, black boy band that um, I think Bobby Brown was in new edition. Oh, okay. Like around like boys to men time. Yeah. Well, a little bit before. Yeah, it was okay. in the 80s. I was not alive. Yeah. Um, Neo was the Tin Man. Okay. Um, David Allen Greer was um, the Cowardly Lion. I have not seen him in much. I know. Lately. Uh-huh. He used to be in everything. I keep... I'm also, like, only picturing Tim Meadows. David Allen Greer. But I know Allen that's Greer. not David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer was... Oh, my God. What did he do? Was he on Just Shoot Me? No, he wasn't. Maybe. He was on that, some show in the 90s. The thing that I remember him from... Early 2000s. ...is a movie that never no one has seen called Return to Me. Uh, I think David I saw Duco- that one. David Duchovny and Minnie About Driver. an angel... No. Oh. <laughs> no, it's David Duchovny and Minnie Driver. It was about a heart yes. transplant recipient. Yes. I did see that. Where David, I did see that. David Duchovny's wife, um, who's played by Jolie Richardson, dies. Yes. And her heart is donated to Minnie Driver. Right. Um, and then he falls in love with Minnie with Driver. With the heart recipient lady. Right. Yeah, and it's like... But oh, David Allen Greer we... is like his best friend in the movie. How do we navigate those? Um, I'd say... He was in Jumanji. Yes. David yes. Allen Greer. Okay. Um, I'd say the biggest names in this are probably Mary J. Blige as Eveline. Ooh. And uh, Queen Latifah played The Wiz. Ooh. Um, and then Amber Riley played Ada Pearl, or Miss One. From Glee. Uh-huh. And then... Uzo Aduba played Glinda. Oh, okay. Yeah. From mm-hmm. uh, Orange is the New Black. Yes. And then Stephanie Mills, who you know, as, who originated the role on Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, played uh, Aunt M. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then also, as you said, Common played like the, the gatekeeper of the entrance to Oz. Got it. Yeah. So, so... That's, that's about all I have. It's a bad movie. I so if you were forced to give it a letter grade. C minus. Uh-huh. That's the best I can do. I would probably say C or C. I'm minus. in a generous mood. Yeah. C minus. Yeah. I don't want to give it less than I gave Phantom of the Opera because I probably in- I know. I think Phantom for me was a it's it's a D something. Yeah. And I think I gave fan. I think I gave Phantom like a C minus. I'll give this a C minus as well. Although I don't, I enjoyed the experience of watching this more than I enjoyed the experience of watching. Yeah, Phantom. I did too. I did too. Um, 
But my, yeah, my outcome wasn't any better. No. No. C minus, I would have to say. I mean, I'm starting to think D plus. C minus. All right. We'll say C minus. <laughs> well, anyway, that is it for the whiz. We will be Thank back. Thank God. <laughs> we'll be back next time for the 80s. Um, in the meantime, check out, like we said, our Instagram at the Hills Are Alive pod. Leave us a review if you feel so inclined. Leave us a review. Um, and check out other podcasts from the We Own This Town family. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. We'll, we'll hear you. We will talk to you. You will hear you us. Will, you, you'll hear us next time. You will hear us next time. <laughs> Goodbye. Every time I hear that train, it makes me want a Clawson sandwich, and they don't exist anymore. Oh.